0: This is W R E L News, your number one source for local news.
1: When to reopen, whether to wear a face mask, and the importance of flattening the curve. All questions we took to North Carolinians in our latest exclusive W R E L News poll. Good evening and thank you for joining us. I'm Deborah Morgan.
2: And I'm Gerald Owens. You won't see this information anywhere else. We will dive deeper into the data this half hour and speak with one of the leading COVID researchers now working to find a cure. But topping the headlines tonight, the state's change in reporting information because WREL and other media outlets push for answers. This significant policy reversal means state health officials will identify the facilities where outbreaks are happening. The state also plans to hire as many as 250 people to help trace people who come in contact with those who were exposed to the virus.
1: Here is a look at the latest numbers we have more than 9200 confirmed cases in North Carolina with 322 deaths and 473 people are in the hospital.
3: I'm Mark Boyle in the Live Center tonight. If you missed the president's daily briefing, we'd like to get you caught up to speed a little bit on some of the takeaways. The president was there with several CEOs of major companies like Rite Aid, CVS, and Walmart talking about how those private companies and public companies that he's working with will play a key role in making sure that testing is scaled up across the country in terms of making people feel more comfortable and getting those tests out there so people can take them when they're trying to figure out if they have COVID-19 or not. Also, the president talked about his phone call with the governors they also talked about schools when could kids could go back to class some states will be different than others take a listen
0: we uh, recommend that they do it as quickly as possible but safely we want everyone to be safe uh, and i think you're seeing that you're seeing a lot of governors get out and they want to open it up uh, many are thinking about their school system that not a long way to go in the school system right now for this season for this year But uh, I think you'll see a lot of schools open up, even if it's for a very short period
3: of time. I think it would be a good thing. Here in North Carolina, our governor, of course, has said that kids will not physically be going back to school this school year. Things are still in question about when things could change down the road in the next few months. Also, the president did take questions about how Kim Jong-un is doing, his health. Is he dead or alive? There's big question marks around that. The president took a question about it, and he did not give too many answers. Take a listen.
0: Uh, I can't tell you uh, exactly. Yes, I do have a very good idea, but I can't talk about it now. I just wish him well. I've had a very good relationship with Kim Jong Un. If I weren't president, you'd be in war. You would have been in war with Korea.
3: The president said expect to hear more about the North Korean leader in the coming days.
2: All right, thank you, Mark. All week we are bringing you results of our exclusive WREL news poll. One of the questions we in Survey USA asked North Carolinians, are you personally wearing a face mask when in public? 65% answered yes, they do. 34% said no.
1: The exclusive WREL news poll also asked about reopening. The question, when do you think most businesses in North Carolina should reopen? surveyed said now, while more than 50% combined said later in May or June.
2: Here is a look at the results for reopening schools. Take a look at the bottom half of the answers. Nearly 45% responded schools should reopen in August, while 19, rather, yes, open in August, while 19 said after August. And when asked which is more important, flattening the curve or putting Americans back to work, an overwhelming number, 61%, said flattening the curve is more important. President Trump, Governor Cooper, Senator Tillis. They are reflected in our exclusive poll conducted with Survey USA. Now, it continues tomorrow with what North Carolinians think of the job that our elected leaders are doing and how it could affect the, the election. We'll have those results starting at 4 o'clock on WRL News tomorrow.
1: State lawmakers get to work tomorrow and their focus will be on COVID 19 recovery. David Cradtree talked with WRL's NC Capitol State House reporter Travis Fain about lawmakers' priorities and the logistical challenge they will face.
4: Travis, short sessions are sometimes not so short. This one, however, is expected to focus primarily. Or only on COVID nineteen.
5: I think closer to only uh, than than anything else. We expect this to be very short. You know, a week, maybe into the second week. But we we expect a lot of agreement, a lot of moving this federal money that's come down from the feds to where it needs to go in the budget, and uh, then out of here. You know, they're going to the building is not even going to be open to the public. A lot of social distancing going to be in effect.
4: Okay, you mentioned federal money. This is one point four billion dollars coming to the state from the CARES Act. No one can claim we can't afford to spend this money because it is almost a gift to the state.
5: Well, and it's money that has to be spent in a certain way in a certain amount of time. The governor's number is 1.4. The House is actually looking to spend a little more, 1.7 billion. I have not seen a Senate number yet. Things usually kind of come down in the middle. Okay, can you tell me how that works? If it's coming from the federal government, is there a finite amount of money that's there? Yeah, there's a finite amount of money at the, at the end of the day, but we don't know how much that'll be. Uh, it's something like $4 billion overall that's going to get kicked down to North Carolina eventually. We don't have all that in hand yet. I believe we've got about $2 billion of it in hand. And then this is going to be kind of a phase one. Think of this as kind of a down payment on a number of state programs uh, that are going to be in place going forward on COVID-19.
4: The governor said in his news conference last week, the House wants a little more. The Senate probably wants less than what the governor is saying. And he admitted the final product isn't going to be what I'm asking for. It sounds like there's pretty good give and take going into this.
5: Is that a reality, do you think? Uh, it seems to be so far, I mean, you know, it's we'll see what happens when they actually gather, how well everyone works together, but so far it seems it to be pretty bipartisan. Is there an area
4: that's checkmarked or highlighted where there is serious disagreement from what the governor's asking for and what state lawmakers are likely to give.
5: I don't know about disagreement uh, in, in that venue, but we're, we're a little concerned because the DOT is supposed to get 300 million of this money, and there is some question about whether or not the federal money can be used to prop up the State Department of Transportation budget, so that is a big dollar issue they're gonna have to work out. It's not so much disagreement, it's, it, it has to do with what the federal rules do and don't allow.
4: One last thing on this, small businesses, Uh, They're a part of this as well. Do you think that figure the governor is asking for
5: might increase with the legislature? Uh, With small businesses, it wouldn't surprise me if it increased, but the House, I think, was in the same neighborhood, 75 billion on top of 15, excuse me, 75 million on top of 15 that's already been spent, uh, and that would be used as kind of bridge loans for small businesses to keep them open.
4: As you mentioned earlier, this will not be open to the public. We will be able to see what's happening through technology, but there'll be no audience, there'll be distancing. How do you think this is going to work or do we yet know what the chambers
5: will look like? I think it'll be odd. Uh, Instead of votes taking 10, 15 seconds, uh, the House at least is gonna open them for 40 minutes or so so people can kinda come in and out, look a little bit more like you see Congress on C-SPAN than we're used to and people will be spread out. Uh, Press will be there though so we'll keep you posted. Will there be fewer speeches? I kinda think so, but we'll see. I, I, I've wondered uh, how much speechifying we'll see, whether people will go after the governor uh, and call for more, maybe a quicker reopen. I don't know if we'll see that or not with a, with a building you know, devoid of the public.
4: If you were looking into a crystal ball, which I know you don't have, but if you did, how long do you think lawmakers would be in session? Wouldn't
5: surprise me if it was just the week. One week? Yeah, maybe a little more, but wouldn't surprise me if it was just the week, and they'll come back later in the year. When government has to work, it can work quickly.
4: Travis Fain, thank you.
2: And as Travis mentioned, the health of North Carolina businesses will be a top priority for lawmakers. House Speaker Tim Moore met with the Raleigh Chamber of Commerce for a virtual town hall this afternoon to outline plans for helping the state's economy. WRL's Mandy Mitchell reports on his early message to business owners.
6: As our legislators return to session on Tuesday looking a bit different than this video of past sessions, they will have North Carolina's economy in mind, in particular, small businesses that have been hit hard by COVID-19. House Speaker Tim Moore says the strategy will be twofold, reducing the red tape for businesses and providing cash to help them get back on their feet.
0: Think of anything that you get from government that has an expiration date, that you're supposed to renew it on such and such date. But we're going to go ahead and and get all those things extended out at least 90 days, in some cases more.
6: The state is setting aside $75 million to give to the Golden Leaf Foundation, which will provide bridge loans for North Carolina businesses. This would be separate from the federal government initiatives like the Paycheck Protection Program, which hasn't helped the smallest of businesses.
0: Because we know the most important thing we can do when it comes to small business, other than the reg reform and those things, or reg relief, excuse me, is taking action to allow liquidity
6: speaker Moore says a goal of this session will also be to reduce the tax burden on businesses as they recover
0: we're going to forgive or waive the unemployment insurance tax that businesses in north carolina would pay for the first quarter of
6: this year the speaker is hoping bipartisan support for these plans in a strong local economy before all of this started will lead to better times ahead for our state's economy mandy mitchell wrl news Raleigh.
2: A common perception perception is in order for businesses to reopen we have to do a better job of testing.
1: Coming up on WRAL we check back in with Dr. Ralph Barrick to answer your questions and analyze the numbers which will ultimately get us back to our new normal.
2: Today, the state outlined new metrics to track coronavirus cases.
1: This includes expanding tracing by hiring workers to help health departments. Joining us now is Dr. Ralph Barrick with the Gillings School of Global Public Health at UNC Chapel Hill. Thank you for joining us again, Dr. Barrick.
0: It's a pleasure to be here.
1: The state is focusing on testing and tracing data to help guide the reopening. So based on the data you've seen, what will it take to get enough people in the state tested to get the state the data that they need, and is this even possible?
0: I think most experts agree that we need to increase testing by at least two to five fold to be able to accurately track uh, infections, identify who's infected, and uh, develop plans that uh, would allow commercial groups to begin to consider how to open their workplace and how to put in surveillance systems to identify early contacts. And to set up screening and uh, work zone for its places, so that uh, if an in individual become infected, it would cause a micro outbreak in the workplace rather than a large uh, infection throughout the entire co- company.
2: Dr. Barrick, some people may think more testing means more positive cases, and it likely will. Can you explain why this may not necessarily be a bad thing for those who are worried that it will delay the state's phased-in reopening plan? Well,
0: the the problem with uh, SARS-2 is that it can produce asymptomatic infections, mild disease, and serious disease. And consequently, there are silent transmission networks that are present in the state right now. Most people would estimate that there are two to five times more infections than have been detected, uh, which I think is right around 9,000 across the state. So if you can't identify those invisible transmission networks, Uh, you are setting yourself up for uh, major problems as you begin to reopen the workplace. Uh, So testing is key to that. Uh, Mitigation strategies to prevent infection in the workplace is key to that. And giving time uh, for companies to work with public health officials to design strategies that maximally protect workers in this environment and to minimize uh, the potential cases and transmission to uh, uh, friends and uh, uh, co-workers is going to be absolutely key to having this become a successful approach.
1: Absolutely, because people are already worried about going back to work, being Mm -hmm. surrounded by a a lot of people. Uh, Dr. Barrick, earlier this month during this newscast, we talked to you about the new antiviral drug from your lab approved for clinical trials in humans. Anything you can tell us about that yet? Has it started? If not, do you know when?
0: So there's two drugs that we've identified. One is remdesivir, which is still in trials. Uh, The second is a drug called NHC, uh, which is uh, undergoing phase one testing right now in England. Uh, Those uh, tests uh, should be completed soon. And it's basically uh, a safety test to make sure that people who take the the drug don't get sick or have adverse reactions. Once that uh, data is in, uh, phase phase two studies will begin uh, in patients who are infected with the virus, either mildly or in serious infection.
2: Well, everybody is wishing you the best of luck, and we all want this to happen tomorrow. We know it's not possible, but uh, we're waiting for it, and uh, we hope you all get the work done in, in a timely fashion. Thank you, Dr. Barrick. We appreciate you joining us,
0: as always. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. All right.
1: Still ahead on WRAL, on the front lines at UNC, one doctor's perspective in a video blog you will only see on WRAL. For the past three weeks, we have taken you behind the scenes at Duke Regional with a nurse on the front lines working with COVID-19 patients. Today, we get a similar perspective from the emergency room at UNC, courtesy of Dr. Gary Burke, a vantage point you will only see here on WRAL.
7: Hello, my name is Gary Burke and I'm an emergency medicine physician at UNC Hospital. Uh, I spend half my time at UNC Medical Center in Chapel Hill and half my time at UNC Hillsboro tonight I'm on night six of seven uh, and I'm at UNC Hillsboro uh, you know over the last couple months my experiences have changed so basically on my way into work now uh, it's a whole different mindset when I'm coming into work there's there's some pretty good things though um, you know seeing the outreach and support from the community both from people that I see during the day that know what I do uh, but also uh, just on the way in like for tonight. There's a little girl in our neighborhood that puts up these signs uh, that talk about, you know, healthcare workers being heroes and thanking us for the things we do. So that's always a nice bright spot on my way into work, knowing that I'm going into uh, work and that it could be a kind of different situation there with what I'm showing up to see. Now, overall, uh, when, we, when I've been arriving to work recently, since I worked the night shift, our volumes have actually been down. So it's pretty busy when I first get there. But things kind of slow down as the night goes on. Um, So, like right now, I'm coming up on the end of my shift. It's coming up on the morning time. And uh, most of the patients have been either been able to be discharged home or admitted into the hospital. Um, You know, the whole atmosphere at work is a little bit different when I get here. Uh, Before I come in, actually, I'm checking my temperature just to make sure that I don't have any signs of uh, infection and then when i get to work we have a bunch of screening questions that we do each day for all staff coming in so that we can make sure that we're not potentially infecting any of our patients or co-workers when we're at work also everyone's wearing a mask at work and keeping their distance from each other so i i get along great with the night crew of nurses at both Hillsborough and Chapel Hill um, but when I'm coming in I'm not seeing their smiling faces I'm just seeing them behind the mask so that's a little bit different than what I'm used to and then also uh, you know during the night shift I like to come out and interact with the nurses but uh, with us trying to keep our physical distance and stay apart from each other I'm staying more so back in the physician workroom uh, when I'm not seeing the patients so it's just bringing a little bit of a different mentality to shift. Um, the other big difference is uh, it's so hard to tell what patients are coming in that you know could have coronavirus and not, because you know we know that a lot of them present with fever, shortness of breath, and cough, but then a lot of them also present with atypical symptoms, GI symptoms, uh, and so forth. So every time a patient comes in, my thought process has changed from what it was a couple months ago because one of the first things that pops into my head for every patient is could this be a COVID patient that I need to uh, consider that and the diagnosis for them uh, or is it not uh, and what do I need to do then to protect myself because uh, I don't want to get myself sick because then what What use am I to my patients if I'm sick um, so thankfully UNC has done a great job with getting us enough PPE equipment. Um, So I'm never concerned that I'm going to be without equipment. Now, we've had our shortages, and the community's stepped up and done great things, too, to donate PPE to us. Um, So I don't really have to be too concerned about that. But, uh, uh, you know, it it adds an extra step for every patient. I'm not sure, you know, how much PPE, because I don't want to waste PPE I need to wear for that patient. Uh, But at the same time, I don't want to expose myself uh, to the virus uh, by not having the appropriate PPE on. So there's a lot, a lot of conflicting thoughts that go back and forth, because I don't want to waste it, but I want to be appropriately protected.
1: Uh, what great insight. And let us add our thanks to those yeah. little girls sign and say, thank you, Dr. Burke, for that incredible uh, video blog as well as for your service and he went on to talk about life outside of work and thanked everyone for following social distancing guidelines he says when he's out at the store he wears a mask just like everyone else
2: you know a lot of people wear masks i wear a mask wherever i go i do see a lot of people who don't yet and perhaps the longer we're in this and they see more and more people wear them they'll be more comfortable wearing them themselves We expect another update from Dr. Burke, as well as Ashley Wheeler. She's a nurse at Duke Regional Hospital. She'll be back at work later this week. We know many of you want to help your neighbors in need during this crisis. We have a growing list of links, donation needs, and ways to help students while they're at home. Just go to wrl.com and search here to help for ways you can lend a hand.
1: Our next newscast is at 10 on Fox 50 and at 11 on WRAL. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you for joining us.